we rolling? We are now rolling. Yes. Alberta <laughs> Filmmakers Podcast. Me, 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 me. Okay, anytime. Hey, and welcome to the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. My name is Matt Waterworth. My name is Scott Westby. We are Full Swing Productions, and every week we bring you news, tips, and interviews in the film, video, and digital media industries of Alberta, or as Joe Novak would call it, the screen industries. Mm, yes. It was uh, the term he was using this last weekend at March Madness in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Which Were was you there? a blast. I was there. Yeah, I was yeah. there too. Yeah, I sat right next to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know who else was there? A lot of lot of uh, students from A lot me. of students, a lot yeah. of guests lot from of guests. our podcast. Yeah, for sure. And uh, uh, um, just met a great uh, husband and wife team named mm-hmm. Derek and Nicole uh, Heisler. Yes, who, they're, they're the ones who caught that mistake we made about the second lang- for, mm-hmm. second language application. Oh, that was far west. Who are you? Oh, uh, right. Oh, the photographer. Yeah, and, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Far yes. West was there as well. Yes, lots of nice people. Yeah, um, and it was great. And if you weren't there, uh, you should have been because it was a great kind of introduction to our industry and sort of the key organizations and players that were there. What'd you get out of it? Um, I, I just always great to meet new people, and uh, and I really uh, enjoy um, Adam Scorgi and and what he always has to say. He's an exciting guy. He was the keynote and wrapped the day up, and uh, always is into some really cool stuff. And I just keep learning from him, which is great. And so we we were able to record another podcast with him, uh, even though that's going to be coming out not as an episode, but as a, one of the future film files uh, coming up soon. So stay tuned for that. Cool. And Nate was I've never been to Nate before. Oh really? Um, yeah. Huh. And it was uh, it was kind of it needs it needs a bit of a coat of paint, I think. <laughs> well, I mean, in its defense, you were really just in the one entrance, and that's there's, there's a lot more buildings. But yes, it I, is, I did it park, is a bit aged. I parked elsewhere on campus. So oh, I, I did walk a little bit through it. Right, right. Um, and I feel like Sate um, somehow got more money, and were able to kind of yeah, like Sate is this glowing glass mm-hmm. campus now. It's absolutely stunning. Yeah. Well, um, and the DHP Center there at Nate is is pretty nice. Is too. it nice? It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've been in there, and it's. It's uh, definitely shiny and new there, mm. but yeah, lots uh, lots of room for uh, improvement. Well, I mean, it's not to disparage the programming of no, course, the building because but. the program is is by all accounts incredible. Yeah, the, the cinema program there is uh, one to check out if you're interested in in getting into the industry or, or going to school. Um, one of the moderators and, and board members on uh, Ampia uh, at March Madness, uh, Michael Jorgensen, is also a, an instructor there, and he's an Emmy winner and is great. In, he's awesome. Uh, yeah. Really yeah. Cool. so yeah that was a that was a good time for sure yeah and it should be happening in calgary later in the year so. yeah they have this thing called the calgary dust up so right. it, that's happened once so far it happens at acad i think around the calgary international film festival so so if you couldn't make it out to edmonton and you uh you want to try again uh then definitely join us in calgary yeah for sure uh well in uh in some tv news um cbc's heartland is uh being renewed for its 10th season which is super exciting and really good news for the industry here. Um, it just makes good sense. If you're CBC, that's a show that, that does really, really well over a million viewers every week, uh, in the season nine here. Um, so that's amazing. Um, that's, that's pretty rare in, in Canada. Um, so no reason not to renew it for a 10th season. What I, what I am most kind of surprised and excited about is that the, the audience is growing. Mm-hmm. for heartland they're getting right. more mm-hmm. viewers which is so rare for a, a show on its ninth season usually yeah and in the link that we uh have in the show notes here um 
one of the executive producers, Jordy Randall, makes a, a great point that, you know, the trend is that fewer people are watching TV and they're they're bucking that trend somehow and and, and adding viewership, which yeah. is amazing. Totally, totally cool. Yeah. Um, a TV series called Tin Star um, is now scheduled to be shot uh, near Calgary in late spring, uh, created by acclaimed British director and screenwriter Rowan Joffe. Um, which is about betrayal, murder, and revenge in a Canadian mountain town. Um, Joffe is known for directing uh, Brighton Rock with Helen Mirren, and uh, he wrote 28 Weeks Later uh, and The American with George Clooney. Um, so they're still out scouting locations, uh, though the production is expected to shoot near Calgary uh, with 10 hour-long episodes uh, later this spring. So that's this, really exciting. This is very exciting, especially considering that we're sitting in a place of not knowing what the next production is going to be to hear about a new show and a returning show. Very good news. For sure. And uh, in Edmonton, uh, our friend and, and podcast guest, Lindsay McNeil, uh, has just been named an Edmonton hero. Um, and you can check out the link uh, in the show notes to read the whole article. But, um, you know, it, it's a great example of a filmmaker uh, who is just doing some really amazing stuff and, and really um, fighting for the industry. And the, the article talks about how she's uh, kind of a beacon and a touchstone for bringing the the industry together and I think that's really important it's it's easy I think for anyone who's not in an industry to be like well that industry isn't that big but that's only because you don't know anything about it like I I don't know how big the forestry industry is I don't know why people assume they know how big the film industry is in in, in Edmonton so um, she's a great advocate for that yeah definitely and uh, and an interesting uh not an interesting, but but an important take on uh, on feminism and, uh, and For sure. women in the industry. And uh, I just want to quote a couple of paragraphs from this where it says, uh, equal pay and the severe lack of recognition for women behind the camera have been big topics lately. And McNeil felt these issues in Edmonton where she would show up for auditions for stereotypical roles. She says, I was tired of showing up to be heartbreakingly disappointed that my role is slut number two. I didn't even get to be the first one, <laughs> uh, McNeil says. Um, in 2008, her, her film Truck Stop Bloodsuckers landed on Bite TV. Um, and she's been, yeah, really crushing it since then and uh, definitely someone to to chat with and, and meet. Totally. So uh, we've got Cameron McGowan on the podcast today. Lots of great information about the upcoming 48-hour film festivals and his own uh, personal projects, including we've recently had Kyle Thomas on the podcast. Cam was his producer. So lots of great stuff to uh, learn about uh, the process of making in the uh, down uh, in the valley below. Valley below? The valley below. The valley below. I don't know why. I'm the one who's correcting other people. I don't know why I got that wrong. Um, and uh, obviously a, a great dude and, and uh, hugely involved in Cuff. So uh, here's Cam McGowan. I got it. I made this rolling? thing machine work. Nice. The circle is rolling, right? You're always the one pushing the button. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, you should have numbers counting up. Numbers <laughs> are counting, yeah. I can see levels. Filmmaking. Uh, <laughs> I like that I, I get to hold a mic. Yeah, yeah, yeah and this is not normally our setup. Usually no? we have them on little stands, so hopefully... No, this not too much Russell. It feels it feels, it feels like, like we have an audience. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> <Exactly>. sure. <laughs> uh, so, of course, we have Cameron McGowan on on the podcast this week. Thank you for joining us. And uh, tell us about you as a, as a filmmaker. I mean, lots to talk about with Cuff and Forty Eight Hour. But firstly, I, you know, we had Kyle Thomas on recently, a, a frequent collaborator of yours. But yeah. where did uh, becoming a filmmaker? Where did that spark happen for you? Oh boy, well, I've been a film nut since I was a child. As, as soon as I learned that it was, humans made movies and that it wasn't just a vision from another dimension, <laughs> I was like, humans make these? <laughs> I, I'd like to be one of those people. And I would, I, I, I would fantasize about being on any of the positions. And this was before the internet or DVDs where yeah, you could yeah, yeah. see behind the scenes of how they were actually made. So I just 
sucked up every movie I watched, read as many books on it as I could. These were the video store days where you could uh, go to the video store and hopefully find an employee who's knowledgeable. Right. Do the six movies for 10 bucks for a week. <laughs> and so I would use that to crush the filmographies of certain directors nice. that I appreciated. Nice. So I'd get all like Spike Lee movies or all Martin Scorsese movies or all Oliver Stone movies. Awesome. And yeah, and then you just begin to see similarities between all their work. They just mm. naturally formed. And then I learned what the role of a director or a, an auteur director mm. uh, uh, was and how they could put their certain stamp on films and then I just became obsessed. I became obsessed with trying to be that guy. Sweet. And Sweet. so I would uh, rewatch movies and make notes about why certain decisions were probably made <laughs> and uh, based on what I'd read before. And then when DVDs came out, I just crushed the special features, listened yeah. to every commentary I could. We were talking about that recently and how sad it is that that's kind of gone now thanks to Netflix and iTunes. Yeah. There's no behind the scenes featurettes anymore. There's no commentary. I guess there's sometimes you can find them in certain places. Well, a lot of the bigger ones have been released now, and so yeah. they already have their supplements. But what I've noticed, I mean, I still collect to this day, is yeah. that um, it's become more like a niche collector's market. And so it's like really much smaller movies that are getting a special edition treatment now, knowing that there's a collector market for it and they can charge oh. $40 for said Blu ray, and <laughs> right. the nerds like us will salivate. And <laughs> Grab it up and so, special box. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're actually getting to like hear behind the scenes stories on movies that are much smaller, which is which I find super inspiring because those are the kind of movies I can afford to make at this right. stage in my career. Right. So you get to learn how the lower budget movies were made now, as opposed to you know just the Indiana Jones and Star Wars of right. the world, which great films. Don't sure. get me wrong. I'd love I love to know how those are made. But their challenges are a lot different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love to know how, right. how like a guy in Birmingham got enough money to make a <laughs> right. slasher movie and why he decided to make it. And no, yeah. that's the stuff I've have been finding super inspiring as I get older. Is like people in similar positions because we all celebrated like the uh, video store generation and the Kevin Smiths and the Quentin Tarantinos yeah, and yeah. we all saw ourselves as those guys and they all ended up making their movies when they were like 27 like I think Paul Thomas Anderson man, made Magnolia Boogie Nights and Heart 8 before he was 30. Wow. No. So it's like, Is that real? Yeah. So you Holy set these shit. standards in your mind where you're like okay I gotta hit this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I gotta hit this mark by a certain age and then you get down on yourself but then when you read up on all the other movies being made there's a lot of people who don't make their first feature till they're you know 40 years old and yeah, so yeah well the guy who directed deadpool was first feature film 50 years old i think this guy is. yeah and i mean that's not a sexy story because no. those people don't photograph as well as a <laughs> right. 25 year old yeah. but it's sexy to me like yeah, it's, it's sure. what keeps me jacked up for sure so so what was the what was the decision after that you're doing your own little film school oh and then it yeah was, yeah i bought a home video camera and my friends and i would recreate scenes from pulp fiction or sweet. we'd just we were really into skateboarding so we'd do a lot of skateboarding pranks like um the jackass guys had this video series before that called um camp kill yourself ck <laughs> oh really well, I, <laughs> and so we would just replicate a lot of those stunts like we were <laughs> we were know. on original bastards but uh <laughs> i would learn where to place the camera and how to get proper coverage but i mean that that was all just for fun and it still is for fun in a way right, I, right, I, right. I love making movies and yeah it's all my best friends that I'm making them with right, now, right. so it's pretty fun. But uh, yeah, no. Then I went to uh, I went to SAIT, uh, the film video program. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it took me three tries to get in. 
I think I got in on my fourth try, so I'm, Holy a, pers- I'm a persistent bastard. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to be with this program. <laughs> yeah, it's, but um, I was working at the video store at that time. I was managing a Blockbuster. Oh, right, And the right. staff were all the same friends that I'd go skateboarding with and <laughs> right. making movies with. So Which nice. Blockbuster? Not the one on 17th? No, Canyon Meadows. The sign oh, was still okay. there, and now it's like a bicycle part oh, store. Man. Oh, man. But they still have like the Blockbuster sign with their logo over top <laughs> yeah. of it. So it's like, guys, we know that's Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah. It's like when Thai restaurants will take over like an old Pizza Hut. And it's like, yeah. I architecture know. for a pizza I'm hut on to you yeah. it's pretty distinct <laughs> no I, doubt, yeah. we actually we shot something there at strides down in the southeast remember we were that yes, blockbuster sign was there that's right <laughs> that's right yeah still there yeah. amazing yeah Weird. it's like the only one left huh so you got into sate and got into have, is that where you met rhett miller rhett miller yeah i love rhett miller all right he's and my best friend and my closest he's been your dp for, for yeah a lot of he's stuff. been my dp he's been my spiritual guidance <laughs> Um, I also met long-term collaborator Alex Mitchell mm. in that program, right, right. and uh, one of my best friends in the world, Matt Sander, I met in that program, yes. and I, I, I frankly, I, I loved the SAIT program, I, um, and I always go to the year-end screening every year mm. now, and I'm constantly uh, inspired by, by, the, by the energy of these mm-hmm. young students. It's like, it's just so cool that in Calgary, we just have people who are just, just going for it. I mean, the, I mean, the odds are against you in some parts of this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. industry, but it's just beautiful to see like that. Yeah. Undiluted enthusiasm. Right. For sure. And they're so happy at their screenings. Our screening, <laughs> we weren't so happy. It was kind of, there was some kind of drama at the end. Oh, of the no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Were you guys the year after me or the year after I the year after? Two me? years after you. Yeah, yeah, we were known as kind of like the bad, the bad, <laughs> the bad crew. But it's yeah. worth mentioning that we're recording this in the state in what's called the U, oh, yeah. the where U. a lot of post production happens, a lot of prep. And they work. haven't painted it in, <laughs> the ten, in the ten years since it's I graduated, true. and it's and it's covered in posters, and uh, it's totally cliche film student room here i'm yeah. looking at posters of of leo and jtt and in sync <laughs> wait what up yeah, behind you, you the tiger, oh, the yeah. tiger beat that's photos? clearly an ironic part of the wall right well i gotta say i love I it know, i find it pretty hot your voice yeah. it's doing it for me this is an amazing room. i'm looking at dread great dread poster yeah, clockwork orange great movie yeah. clockwork orange classic sure. campus film sure files reference yeah so yeah, it's, it's a great it's a great place to to build your filmic mind, right? Yeah, and I mean, I I wasn't in a financial position where I could really afford to go to school anywhere else, so that's why I kept <laughs> hitting my head against that same state wall. I was living with my parents, saving up money for school. It's the only school I could afford, and I just really wanted to get my hands on professional gear. And yeah. I mean, the gear that they have here now. Yeah. It's, I'm beginning to sound like a state PSA. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Rhett Miller is the best instructor. <laughs> right. Instructor now, yeah. He, he should run his own rogue film school like Werner Herzog. <laughs> right. Rhett Miller. I'm just kidding. Nice. I do love Rhett and but I do you, love Sate. You make a great point, though, that, that the tuition is so cheap that you could actually take out enough gear in a couple of months to cover the like the cost of renting this gear oh yeah would, would easily cover your tuition i still can't afford to rent the camera that they <laughs> exactly, use here exactly it's insane yeah and so i mean the great thing about the sate program i mean i know a lot of people talk down about that it doesn't have like a film theory component mm. but as we were discussing earlier you can teach yourself film theory, absolutely and you should but you can't teach yourself how to use a camera right, right? properly not an alexa right. anyway not an like, alexa like, yeah. anyway yeah. yeah and like and phil is still the most enthusiastic person i have ever met whenever i run into <laughs> phil he's still nerding out about all this yeah. stuff yeah. 25 years later and it's like <laughs> it's 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 a gift to have this school here I for think, sure i think so. it's sure. a great institution. do you think that you did anything differently on your fourth try 
to get in. I'm wondering. No, I think they just saw that I was going away. This long haired skater kid yeah. is not going away. At least the fourth time he didn't smell like pot when he came. <laughs> but I think and that's part of it too, right? <laughs> that's part of knowing when someone's going to make it is when they, they've applied four times. And oh, you're like, yeah. This guy is fucking yeah. never giving yeah. up. Yeah. This yeah, is the I kind just, of guy we need. Yeah. I'm, yeah. And I'm not, I am that kind of guy. I, I can't be annoying if I need to be. <laughs> but it's like, that's how I got involved with the Underground Film Festival too, is that I would, I when the International and Underground Film Festival lineups would come up, I would be refreshing that browser nonstop. If mm, they said mm -hmm. lineup at noon, I would go there at 11.55 and just keep right, right. refreshing. And then if I wouldn't see a movie that I like, I mean, of course I would go to the festival and an overdose on cinema, but I would say, oh, did you guys look for this movie or this ah, movie and this yeah, yeah. movie? Because I found Brenda Lieberman's personal content <laughs> yeah. info. Uh, and so I, pest <laughs> I pestered her uh, by email and she's like, well, do you want to just come screen movies with us? So <laughs> just you can do it see, yourself, Cam. You can yeah. see how it's done. I'm like, yeah, that's probably best. I'm sure I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, sure I'm annoying the hell out of you right sounds now. Sounds good. Here's my first list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I started doing it. I just, I just loved it. I just love to get to see behind the curtains and so now I'm lead programmer there. So it started as annoying right. pest, and now I'm <laughs> I'm making the decisions right up there with her. And uh, that's, that's I mean that's how Spielberg started too, right? He was just a pest, and he was just hanging out in yeah. On but the I think studio you get to see that they're pests for like the right reasons. Yeah, that exactly. They're right, not yeah. bugging you to bug you. No, they're bugging you because they're really stoked. They're yeah. like really yeah. excited. Yeah. yeah, they want to know what's going on, and they want to be a part of it. And that's like that's the energy that you need, right? Yeah, and so. I think that like people, as they get older in this business. I think they need young people like that to remind them that it's cool what right. we're doing. Oh, for sure, yeah. Making movies is cool. Yeah. Programming yeah. festivals is cool. And I think once it becomes a job and like you're, you know, forced to do things that you might not want to, and you start to lose some enthusiasm, that that annoying younger person that's pestering you can actually become the person that you know kind of helps you get your enthusiasm again. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. And yeah, yeah and and you listen to older filmmakers too talking about how like, you know, there's. 30 40 sometimes 200 people here there's a food truck there that like there's so much infrastructure to help me play pretend yeah <laughs> exactly. we gotta remember that it is cool you're right yeah yeah and so yeah when i was coming up during sade i i had a couple guys mentoring me uh david schultz yes. who made 45 rpm right. and a great horror film called rufus and a man named blake horbin who, who's made some excellent short films and now works at corkscrew media and yeah, just hanging out with those guys, I just got to learn the ropes and see the realities of the business and see how to turn it into a job that, uh, you know, and so now I work at 724 Films in the daytime, learning the business side of things and at night and on the weekends, I make my weird monster movies and help program the Underground <laughs> Film Festival. <laughs> well, and we worked together for about four years there at 724. Yeah, I miss uh, those days. <laughs> yeah. uh, but the, but so I know that after Sate, you went to Toronto, right? Oh, yeah. I followed a girlfriend to Toronto. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. I love you very much, Heather Campbell, if you're listening. You're not the one I followed to Toronto, though. But that was a bad idea. Right. Living, living in Toronto was, for a guy like me, Toronto was not was not a good city. Yeah. Like, it's just, it was too competitive, mm. I found. Right. Um, I mean, I don't want to sound like the cliched Westerner going, oh, Toronto, everyone's just <laughs> self-serving and living in their own. But they are. Private yeah. bubble. But it, you can it, say it's the Alberta Filmmakers well, Podcast. You can say it here. Yeah. Well, they have three world-class film schools there. Right. And I was working at a video store called Queen Video that is a pretty well-known video store. So every second customer I'd meet was a filmmaker. Right. And they weren't very nice to me. And I was like, I don't, like, I'm not getting any inspiration in this city. I'm actually wanting to do the opposite. I'm actually questioning why I even wanted to make movies in the first oh, place. Wow, yeah. And it just became more of like, 
wanting to make movies out of a competitive spirit as opposed to wanting to make movies out of an artistic expression slash having right. a good time spirit. Right. And so when I came back here to visit and was hanging out with all my old film school friends, I got that rush again. I said, okay, clearly something is not working for me in that other city and I right. need to right. and I've move heard, back I've, home. I've heard before, and, and I, don't, I don't know Toronto enough to, to speak to it personally, but there's a lot of people that feel that that is the club and its job is to keep others out. Um, and I, I've never felt that's the case here. No, no, is everyone's that it's like, oh my god, you're here, here and you want to make movies? Please come help us. We all need help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's totally true. Everyone here that I've encountered is welcoming, even on sets, like even on professional sets. Everyone's just like a cool person who's just wants to make movies. But yeah, there I just I just wasn't I wasn't inspired. There It was a full year that I thought I was going to spend writing, and I didn't write one single word. And then when I like the week I was back in Calgary, I started writing a script hmm. and I was like, wow. okay, clearly, clearly I'm inspired by <laughs> yeah. Alberta. Maybe it's the sun, maybe it's the wide open skies, or maybe it's that I'm just comfortable there. But yes, I spent one year in Toronto. I worked at Queen Video, which is a very cool video store. They still have one location open. Oh, wow. And I worked for the Toronto International Film Festival for a week. And that was phenomenal because I got a full pass ah. to the festival wow. and got to see Q and A's with two of my favorite directors, Werner Herzog and Brian De Palma. Oh my God. And uh, so that was cool. Yeah. But that just inspired me like, hey, make movies. Don't yeah. just work at the video store or right. lend movies to, right. to other people to watch. Well, and it sucks that, you know, the guy behind the counter at the video store should be someone that you get along with at, if you're a filmmaker, you'd think. Yeah, I thought so. But <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm just not the type of guy that gets along with <laughs> those type of people. I mean, they always say I have an Albertan sense of humor. <laughs> I got a bit of an accent, so maybe I was just the outsider mm -hmm. there. So. <laughs> Who knows? But so, you're, so you're back in Calgary, and now back. you're working at 724, and yeah. you're making shorts. Yeah. How, how did this happen, getting to work at 724? Um, well, the lovely Miss Tina Alford, I worked with her, now an actress. I worked with her at Alberta Film, which was a subsect of Alberta Economic Development. So together, her and I would put together uh, location photo packages for shows that we're scouting here. And that was my first job out of state. And I, it was a one-year contract. That's cool. So I moved yeah, after okay. that gotcha. job. So I stayed in touch with Tina um, for guidance. Uh, she's been a big mentor of mine and a big supporter of my career yeah. for a long time. And she's amazing. She, we got to get her on the podcast yeah, too. Yeah, she's the best. And I, she'll I be invited on her, her yesterday and she said, no, we're too busy for Actress 50th, but maybe next month. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and so I just stayed in touch with her and she said, uh, 724 Films is looking for... A receptionist and they're going to be uh in toronto for post-production for heartland did you want to meet with them and i'm like uh yeah i would lo love to meet with those guys because they had just finished assassination of jesse james right and yeah 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 Broke back mountain which were like two of my favorite movies of those years and yeah so when they were down i just had coffee with them and i was like i would be willing to move back home for this job and so amazing me the job wow. and i moved back home and i'm nice. still working there i so was, fate dragged you back yes yeah. so i'm now in the uh, business affairs and development department probably been there for eight years altogether maybe can you help me with the yeah, math that sounds about right yeah. seven or eight, eight years. Must, yeah, i think you were there for years. at least three when i started yeah yeah well yeah. we've been out of school for eight years right well yeah and you you, and you were hired outside when you first graduated yeah yeah, yeah. eight years yeah wow. been there eight years that's crazy 
that's totally so you're crazy. working on things like if, if if the audience is interested heartland is the main project there that's the perennial oh yeah 724 films yeah, yeah. we've we uh, are working on the 10th season of heartland yeah. so i still have a job thankfully <laughs> and uh we're wrapping up uh, young drunk punk season one uh, and yeah. a brand new sci-fi series for sci-fi in the states right why not herb based on an idw comic crazy book property. busy that, that must be insane it's crazy busy. Yeah. It's crazy like when busy. When I was the there, there was Heartland and then a couple movies here and there would pop up, not three series all at once. Yeah. So we're, yeah. we're working a lot. And I bet. Um, yeah, just a lot of business affairs stuff right now. And uh, so, I mean, that's the side of the business that is almost hard to teach that totally. you kind of have yeah. to learn while yeah. doing it. And yeah. what what is it? It's wrapping up the financials for a project and having the agreements executed and properly crediting people like funding agencies and closing out the project with them delivering the finished uh, film or TV show as well as whatever they need to promote it as well as all of the legal check boxes and so it's I mean, it's not the sexiest part, but it's pretty much one of the most important parts. Like, right. The affairs of the business. Yeah. because <laughs> right. uh, I don't want to jump ahead, but I produced The Valley Below with North Country Cinema Film Collective right, I'm right. part of, and you guys had Kyle Thomas on. Yeah. The director, and uh, I mean, making the movie looked extremely easy compared to the business affairs related issues that came up once the movie was released. Like you think that once the movie's out there and it's played TIFF or it played at uh, the Country Hills movie theater and is now on iTunes that your job's done. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's many more things that you still need to do. Some of them are kind of annoying. Yeah. And you just wish you had set aside a bit more money to pay yourself to do those things. So you'd yeah. have a little yeah. <laughs> motivation <laughs> to sure. do them or else they just linger. Like, yeah, right. I remember when I started at 724, I was like, oh, wow, they did Brokeback Mountain. And then I go to the, the storage unit where all these files are kept. And there's all these boxes for Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, it's still like Indiana Jones. Five years later, yeah, it's yeah. Like they're still working on this project. It doesn't go away. Yeah, doesn't go away yeah. because there's so many people involved that all signed a contract and are all still slightly involved financially. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have to report yeah. to all these people, and it's. Uh, I mean, you could do a whole four-year film school just on yeah. the business affairs aspect no doubt, of no filmmaking. So, outside of S- 724, you're working on some short films, and your first short was Bad Dad? Bad Dad. Yes. Well, I'll tell you that was my first short. I made like <laughs> right. 10 movies before that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No yeah. one can see. Oh, we've, all, we've all got a, a first short and yes. then a first short. Yeah. So, I actually <laughs> have a link on my website hidden. Oh, really? Oh, my God. To, to my what? very first movie that I made while I was in state with uh, Red. Oh, a little Easter egg. The gang. I have an Easter egg on the website. <laughs> What's um, your website? It's CameronMcGowan.com. See if you can find it. <laughs> okay. Challenge to the listeners. Um, but... It, uh, my f- my friend Matt, who was the producer of Dinner, this is my very first movie, and um, the cinematographer, he put it up on a file sharing website we were uh, members of, and some Russian guy just downloaded it and uploaded it to YouTube, and I didn't find it till like three years after <laughs> the fact that it was still that it was up there. What? I'm like what? How did this get online? Weird. Why is this online? Like who wants to watch this? It's so bad. <laughs> but I mean answer to that is I want to watch it. I watch it all the time. Like it's adorable <laughs> to see like your very first movie after you've been doing yeah. it for 10 years. Yeah, it's yeah. like you see the kids you were when you made that and you just get those feelings again. It's like, yeah. so I had to put a link to it in my website. <laughs> Maybe it's self-serving to hide a Easter egg to your first movie that you don't no, want anyone like to see. It. But I like it. If you, if you connect with the filmmakers, oh, my first film, you got to see it. It's actually on my site if you go here. Yeah, I like yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, so see if you can, see if you can find it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bad Dad was, yeah, my first official short right, film right. outside of film school. And you were using, like, location insurance and Actra. And, and yeah, like we did was, it official. We did right, it the official right. way. I hired Sean Johnson from Heartland. Yeah, and so right, we had yeah. to 
use Actra and my buddy Tyler Riv, who played the lead, mm-hmm. the bad dad himself. He, mm-hmm. he was also Actra. So yeah, that was that was uh, you know jumping in the deep end in terms of contracts and stuff like that. But uh, I had some decent producers on that project, some yeah, good producers. Yeah. Where, where did the money come from for that one? Uh, that was an AFA funded okay, project. Okay, sweet. Yeah, and so I ended up winning an Ampia for that one. Yes. yes. So that was kind of oh, sweet. Oh, hell yeah! But it didn't play many film festivals. And actually, I'd like to talk about this later. I mean, we can finish going through my <laughs> retrospective. Sure. But uh, uh, it didn't play many film festivals because it was way too damn long. Um, uh, yes. I mean, it needs to be the length it is, in my opinion. Sure. But during the screenwriting, I should have boiled it down. Right, like, it's right. 16 minutes long. That's like uh, what do you got? one sixth of the entire shorts package. Your movie's got to be really damn good if you're going to eat up one sixth of a Straight shorts package. Straight from the lead programmer at Calgary <laughs> Cup. Yeah. yeah, keep it short. Um, yeah. And so yeah, after that, I made a gothic western called Black Hills, right? Which, which played cool. Calgary International. And uh, you know, I've I've made I've made some things. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's. I mean, what I think maybe the most exciting thing that's a feather in your cap is the Vimeo editor's pick is that what it's Vimeo called staff pick staff yeah pick, i had right. a Vimeo staff pick. which is like a hundred thousand views in a day yeah yeah well yeah we got a lot of views for my film lieb love yes it's a monster romance right and um yeah we got vimeo staff pick when it was online which was so cool and so unexpected and it was just great timing it was they were doing their first ever halloween vimeo staff pick series and i oh, just sweet. got it in at the right time nice. and it had played at 25 film festivals before that so oh, it had wow. some clout and so, yeah, I think we're up to 127,000 views now. Wow. Which is cool because Vimeo only counts individual views. I think... I think, I think you, you're right. Yeah, they're pretty strict about I think, it. Yeah, I think like, YouTube, you can just keep hitting refresh. finishes and yeah. Yeah, because yeah. I've tried to stack some of my Vimeo <laughs> yeah, I mean, movies sure, to make course, it yeah. look like they have 100 by just hitting refresh <laughs> and play again. It doesn't work. No. It works on the YouTube You got to go to like the Apple store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Find some different store. Yeah, go to the library. and yeah. <laughs> You got to pay 10 yeah. friends, $2 That's each right, to yep. go there once a day. So the follow-up is is hitting festivals now. To, oh, to you know about one. that. I do, I do. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Lieb was made for $500. I couldn't pay anybody. It was wow. one long day with close friends, um, but I mean, we had a great time, don't get me wrong, but it was a lot of hard work and I wasn't able to pay anyone because I didn't think anyone would give us money for this movie. Right. And so with that success, I wanted to leverage it to hire the same crew and make a companion piece to leave, but actually pay them well this time. Right, right, okay. Including my special effects artist, Devon Cox, who was on this season uh-huh. Face Off, which is like a, a special effects makeup TV show on sci-fi. Oh, it's like a cool. reality show. Amazing. Anyway, she actually put some of her own money into Lieb at the beginning, and so wow. I I completely overpaid her on <laughs> Luxure. But that's not the only reason I made right. the companion piece uh, Luxure, which is Lust. The, it's the flip side of the coin. I, there were some ideas I was exploring in Lieb that I wanted about love, that I wanted to explore the dark side of mm-hmm. uh, with lust. So lust is more like a pure animalistic right. instinct. I mean, in Lieb, love's a pure animalistic <laughs> instinct yeah. from an animal, but in lust, I wanted to show it from a human's perspective, uh, <laughs> showing a human as a monster instead of a monster. Ah, so okay, I don't want to spoil okay. anything, but uh, Interesting. we're showing at the Calgary Underground Film Fest. And Excellent. But I assure you, I went through the same submission process as all other filmmakers. <laughs> right, right. I didn't have any say right. directly in uh, whether or not it got programmed. But we're also playing at the Boston Underground Film Festival and San nice. Francisco Indie Fest, right, right. which is at the Roxy, like the oldest theater in North America. Oh, cool. Which is cool. I wish I could have gone, but yeah. 
I don't have much vacation time, sadly. Yeah, it's tough to hit up, especially, yeah, you hit that success point where, oh, look at all the film festivals, and then I can't go to any of them. That's, that's a challenge. Yeah, and Boston Underground I'd love to go to, too, because they were kind of one of the early adopters of Lieb that, you know, once I put the laurels on our Vimeo link of that one, it kind of, you know, uh, made people look at it a bit right, more right. seriously because it's, it's a pretty cool festival. So. so where does the Valley Below fit in in this? Well, you could say I'm a schizophrenic because I make these <laughs> outlandish. At the same time. Yeah, I make these outlandish <laughs> genre movies, but uh, all the work that I produce through North Country Cinema is kind of, you know, more mature and right. uh, thoughtful character pieces. Right. But, I mean, it ultimately boils down to wanting to make the movies you'd like to watch, right? I don't know how, how you guys approach I, I your hate projects. Watching the movies that I make. <laughs> I, yeah. No, but like I, I, I like to make the movies where I see like I, there's a type of movie that I would like to watch that I don't see right. being made. Yeah, I just wish that they would make a blah whatever it is. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that's usually yeah. what inspires me most to to write, and um, and I watch I watch movies from absolutely all genres. So I mean, <laughs> I know it seems a bit weird for me to make you know a monster love story and then to produce a very sensitive <laughs> right, right, right. drama, but uh, I I love I love both those genres. I love horror movies. I love comedies. I love character pieces. I love jo- dramas. I love uh, romantic yeah. comedies. I just watched that Jack Nicholson, Diane Keaton movie, Something's Gotta Give for like the <laughs> oh, third wow. time last nice. weekend. Nice. Sweet movie. That is a great movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is great, man. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I don't Can think you can right? make that movie. Yeah. Are you thinking it no, was, no, you're you're thinking thinking, it was oh, good as it gets? You're thinking oh, it was good as it right, gets. You're right. Also great. I'll, it is great. Probably better. <laughs> probably better. <laughs> yeah. Something's got to give. Jack Nicholson plays like this, like, wreck. He's like a rap record company owner and diane keaton's like a successful author and he's dating her daughter and he has a sex incident with his daughter where he has to where he can't leave (laughs) this 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 little vacation home okay but she has to go back to work so he ends up hanging out with her mom and then they fall in love but it's like a weird it's like a mature romance and it just feels so strange that that was made like 10 years ago because there are very few movies made like that now. Like it almost feels yeah, otherworldly yeah, yeah. right, yeah. because it's like a sensitive old person romance <laughs> with broad appeal. Right. You know? Yeah. Like star studded, multi million dollar <laughs> production. That doesn't happen anymore. No, no it's no. true. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like kind of it's kind of refreshing to like, you know, go back to when those movies were huge. Yeah. There's something there's something to be said for making the movies that you're that you wish other people were making. Yeah, yeah, that's an important thing to remember, right? Is because I think that's the way you're going to have that passion that's going to sustain you for a long time. I think so too, because you're gonna you're gonna hear a lot of people saying you're gonna face a lot of rejection. You're gonna hear no totally, a lot. Yeah. But I mean, if you're still jacked about the project, you're gonna continue to to fight for it. Whereas if you had written it because you thought the market would want it, I'm just talking at an indie level. Like I'd gladly yeah. write something the market wanted if someone paid me. Right. But I mean, you're probably too late by the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, a, yeah. you're probably too yeah. late. Yeah. But, um, but I feel yeah. If you're writing something that that you would like to watch or that that has a personal stamp on it, that the writing itself is going to be fulfilling. Right. And getting to make it's just going to be the gravy on top. For so, sure. You mean you're going to love that script if no one else wants to make it. So you're going to fight that much harder to get it made. And that turn th- that turns into better movies, in my opinion. Totally. Right? Yeah. Then if you're like, hey, let's try to write the next Saw. You're like, well, A, no one wants to watch those kind of movies anymore. Yeah. <laughs> B, those Saw. kind of movies yeah. are being made with huge budgets. So yeah. as an indie filmmaker, you got to find the unique spot where you fit in. Right. Right. Where your voice fits in. And that's just going to end up naturally being something that you'd like 
to watch and express yourself through. And so you're not going to feel like you'd wasted your time or wasted right. your life yeah. if you tried yep. to get a script made if you genuinely love it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what's going on at Cuff? Uh, the, the lineup just came out. Yeah, we announced our lineup. I'm not sure when this is going to air, but we announced our lineup third week of March. Okay, okay. And, and when uh, is it? What are the dates? April 11th to 17th okay. at the Globe Cinema. All right, coming right up. We had sold 90% of our passes before we'd even announced the lineup Whoa, this that's year. that's awesome. Which was pretty Holy sweet. shit. Nice. Yeah. I was pretty happy with that's that. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 And uh, I'm also really happy that we're getting to show a lot of local stuff this year. Uh, we're showing the Rec City documentary that oh, Ramin nice. made. Yeah. So oh, yeah, a local yeah, yeah. doc, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's being preceded by a local short from Dominique Keller. Oh, right. And on. then afterwards, we're going to have a big party with... A lot of the bands that are featured in Rec City nice. at the Palomino, so that'll be on the Friday night. And awesome. We're showing about four Canadian, sorry, four Albertan short films. We're showing like 20 Canadian films altogether, which is really cool. And one of them's from um, Ingrid Vargas, I think her last name is. She's yeah, a second yeah. year SAIT student. Yeah, she was actually on the podcast for I Love You, Johnny. That's what we're showing. Yeah, that's great. Well, there you it's go. It's right? so good. That movie is so good. Like, <laughs> I've never seen such a confident short film from someone still in school, still nice. in their second year of school. So I was like, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, we got to. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and so we were only able to show one StoryHive movie. That There were a lot of cool StoryHive projects that were submitted this mm. year. But sadly, uh, some of them had already had public screenings that were very well promoted right, before they right. submitted to us. Yeah. And so it's a big no-no for film festivals, for I sure. must say. For sure. I mean, I know we when you finish a short film, you want it to celebrate and you want as many people to see it as possible. Um, but to advertise a short film screening on Facebook and to invite a thousand people <laughs> film programmers are going to see that and they're going right. to see that you've you've that everyone who wants to see that movie has probably already seen it right and so they're they're it's not going to be as sexy to program that short as it would be to one that would be fresh and would have an excited audience at the premiere right for sure because sure. at the end of the day we want to pack the house with people who are excited Absolutely. to see the Absolutely. movies that makes sense so what's going on with the 48 hour and in fact you know the the city actually owes you a debt of gratitude because you're the guy who connected tina alford at actra yeah. to the 48 hour and finally we could use actra members yes. in the 48 hour project yes i was a, pretty proud of yeah, that yes that was my first year with the 48 hour and i just wanted to try to make it so the that there were as many opportunities for the movies to be great mm -hmm. as possible mm -hmm. and uh, most and some of, actor members were sneaking into them, and it was that's causing the thing. Issues. I mean, yeah. they shouldn't actor members shouldn't have to sneak into projects. Right, if right. you want to, if you want to act, you should be able to act in a project, mm -hmm. and it should be the above the line people who are helping you out. And luckily, Tina is so easy to work with when it comes for to sure. those things. Yeah, sure. she's the and bomb. And so we were able to get actor members in the forty-eight hour film projects, and it totally increased the quality of the finished product oh, because good. so many local actors end up having to become union members to play bit parts in huge movies. Yeah, it, they yeah. just end up having to sign, uh, sure, yeah. they just have to become unionized. Yeah. So, and there aren't a lot of actors in the city. And so a good percentage of the, of the good actors are union members. So mm -hmm. we got to try to find a way to work with the unions to get those people in projects because I got to say, indie film is where the juicier, meatier lead roles are going to be Absolutely. for local actors right, for sure yeah absolutely i mean i'm sure playing prostitute three and deadwood pays pretty well but <laughs> right, right. you didn't you don't get into acting now for those reasons for sure for sure but yeah so this will be the 10th year that we're doing the 48 hour wow film challenge and our 48 hour ch film challenge was just getting so big that it was almost requiring as much attention as the festival itself yeah so we ended up needing a partner and we'd always wanted 
to collaborate with the Calgary Expo on, you know, a film series or, you know, special events. But uh, we saw that they were also doing 48 hours. They did very well last year. I think they sold out in like five days for uh, registration. Oh, wow. they, only they only had a few teams. But so we decided, yeah, to join forces and make like the ultimate Calgary 48 hour <laughs> nice. film challenge. Nice. And is this, this is the first year that it's This is the happening. first year we've joined forces with the Calgary Expo for the 48 hour film challenge. And uh, I think it was like two weeks we had filled up and we have 25 teams this wow. year and so that's going to take place at the calgary expo uh, on the thursday okay night. cool and so the actual event is april 1st to 3rd and uh, i wish all the teams the best of luck i love to see what they come up with yes, yes in fact that's one of the main things that inspired me to make leave was to see what these people were capable of in a 48-hour period i found it so yeah. inspiring it's amazing uh, well it's it amazing. is amazing the quality uh, and i've seen you guys do a few 48-hour yeah, we've films. done a few well, very solid yeah, yeah. our most recent one Revengeance. Was, was Revengeance, which we had so much fun doing. It was only like four of us, and we didn't sleep very much. And then Police Cops was made that year. Oh, yeah, that one? Which My God. That was a slam dunk. Amazing. What a yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah, just just in, yeah. in itself a short film, let so alone. Funny. Yes. Yeah, so funny. So was, funny. I can't believe it was made in four years. nailed the genre so, so well. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Really it was impressive. like, obviously, they won those bastards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but actually, Synapse, which is the feature that we're trying to get made. Yeah. Um, its its inception was for a 48-hour film challenge. Really? Was, yeah, I yeah wrote, that's right, yes. I wrote a script for, the I think it was the third annual. Mm. Well, there's something beautiful about that, about only giving yourself 48 hours to make something. It just brings it down to like your raw creative spirit. You don't for have sure, any yeah. time to second-guess no, yourself. No, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. just keep going yeah. full speed ahead. For like, sure. I think one of the teams last year lost all of their footage when they were editing it on the Saturday night. So reshot, they didn't oh even reshoot. They made an entirely new movie on the Sunday. Oh my God. And like edited it. I don't know what they did, but they delivered on time. They delivered it on time. The lessons that you learn during these challenges yeah, yeah, are, sure. are phenomenal. Yeah, and this past year we had uh, Mark Irwin, who's David Cronenberg's cinematographer on like Videodrome, Dead Ringers, Whoa. Naked Lunch. He shot Scream and there's Holy something shit. about Mary. He was one of our jurors. Oh my God. And he wrote me the nicest letter, and Brenda, sorry, I should, he wrote us. <laughs> Brenda also runs the 48 hour <laughs> yes, film challenge. Yes, right. Brenda Lieberman, champion of Calgary. Yes, she totally um, is. Yeah. She totally is. <laughs> the film scene owes Brenda so much. Totally, we were, she, in, we were in TIFF and yeah. she was just there. And it's yeah. like, awesome, it's, of course you should be here. And she's partying and getting to, like it's so good that she's doing that. Oh yes, oh yes, she, we are blessed to have her. Um, but Mark Irwin, the cinematographer after jurying the 48 hour film challenge he wrote us this very nice letter about how he's working in hollywood now and you know he shot a movie with kate upton and william h macy just before he came to cuff and he said that that challenge just reminded him of why mm. he started to make movies right just the pure creative spirit of wanting to express yourself and tell a story and collaborate with a group of people mm -hmm. and that that challenge reminded him of that that he'd been so bogged down with the bullshit that he'd been dealing with in Hollywood and he had some horror stories <laughs> but that watching those movies and being at the screening and seeing the them all their smiling faces getting to watch their work on the big screen just reminded him just lit that spark up inside again saying right this this stuff is cool mm -hmm. right. this is like this yeah. is a privilege to get to to make movies absolutely I mean it's hard work but so for for, for the new listeners 
Yeah. What is that? 48 hour film challenge. What does it right. mean? Oh, yes. oh yeah. What well, the new yeah. listeners, if you want to make movies, you should do a 48 hour you must. film challenge. Ours you must. is full, but there are a few others. That are <laughs> or, or apply next year. Yeah. <laughs> or apply next year. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Calgary Underground Film Festival. Um, but so what it is, is some cities do a 24 hour film race. Some cities do a 48 hour. Um, but what it is, is that you're given 48 hours or 24 hours to make a film using a genre that you're randomly assigned, a prop that you're randomly assigned, and a line of dialogue that you're randomly assigned. And during the 48-hour time limit, you must make all your creative decisions within that time. So uh, writing of the script, uh, shooting a film, editing, music, and you have to deliver it. So say you pick it up at 7 p.m. on a Friday, you got to deliver it on 7 p.m. on a Sunday. Right. And then we show them back to back to back. You get to see who else got the same genre as you or the same uh, line as you and, you know, discuss if you used it better or <laughs> <laughs> or admire how they used right. it. The, screen, oh, the screenings are so much fun. Oh, so they're much great. Fun. There's yeah. such a great energy to it. And... You know, part of me is sad that it's not a part of the main, our main festival anymore, but I know that by working with the Calgary Expo, it's just going to be that much bigger because the right. venue can fit about 500 people. So, right, right. I mean, the event always sold out at Cuff, and so we were constantly having to turn people away, and like no one wants to be the bad guy that has of course. to say you can't come. Especially with something like this, right? Where yeah, I know it was you just like made groups. this, but there's no seats, man. Yeah. You're like, yeah, don't, you don't want to be that. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. What, so what's happening with the screening? So it, it's in, it, there's it's just not going to be connected to the, the days of the... It's just not during still our Calgary main festival. festival yeah, event, it's still a but, Calgary Underground Film Festival right. event. We do a lot of off-season events, so yeah. this isn't uncommon right. for us but it's just that now we can put more attention towards it right, right. because during the main festival we have guests in from all over the place and we have parties constantly and two films going on at once with you know a core staff of like eight people and so it's just the the, the 48 hour film challenge was always a lot of work we always love doing it but it's like sometimes you know, you'd be so exhausted on that final day mm. of cuff that when the 48 hour ch challenge rolled around, you just, it just took up that last bit of energy and right, you couldn't, right. you couldn't reflect on the rest of the festival because you were still working right. your ass off. So now that it's a separate part of the Calgary Underground Film Festival's year long programming, we can really continue to improve mm -hmm. the 48 hour yes. film challenge and just make it the best 48 hour film challenge that it can be so and can you get into the 48 hour screening without uh, like a wristband to the expo or well is it, no but no it's not this is why we chose the thursday is that right. passes for the thursday i believe are 20 or 25 dollars right. right. so right. it's a little bit more than a movie ticket would right. cost but you get access you get to the, the calgary expo, expo yeah, which is sure. the, and so cool. I'm going to guess there's probably a lot of crossover between I'll the people. I'll bet there's a lot of crossover. Yeah. Like We haven't heard any complaints yet about the ticket <laughs> right on, right. process. And all teams get six passes oh, to nice. that oh, Thursday That's to good. get in. So they're not having to buy a pass to participate. They, they're getting one you know, with their entry fee. Right. So what are some some tips, just quickly, if we yeah, can just take a side trip? Tip? Yeah, the biggest tip. For tips film festivals for, or for the 48 hours? For the 48 hours, for someone doing it. The biggest tip. Uh, have unique locations locked down before the challenge because you're allowed to have locations booked oh. before the challenge. Have actors locked down for the weekend before the challenge mm -hmm. and don't just use yourselves right? because, you know, we pay actors sometimes for a reason. <laughs> I mean, I say sometimes because sometimes you can't pay them. Not because sometimes <laughs> there's not a good reason. Pay them. But yeah. actors are actors for a reason. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, arrange those two things to save yourself the headache of trying to lock those down on Friday night. Calling, right. you know, trying to lock down a location while writing a script is kind of nasty. So if you already have the locations locked down before the weekend, you're actually going to have a guideline on the Friday night of where to write your script around. You know what I'm saying? Right, totally. So writing with the location in mind. And uh, delegating, I think, is a huge component. Is having someone who's going to edit the project separate from the shoot. So be getting them the footage, maybe even as you're shooting it, have them pop by and dump a drive on their computer in the middle of the shoot and have them go to work that Saturday afternoon and start doing an assemble. Mm -hmm. Because how editors work is they'll throw in a temp track, hopefully, you know, royalty free music that you'll just end up using that track. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it totally. comes Sunday yeah. night when you're doing your final export, yeah. it'll be it'll be quite easy if the edit's already begun with someone else. So right, it's right. but delegating tasks is a huge one. Yeah. And so and maybe I mean I, I know everyone loves to contribute to writing a script, but maybe let one or two people write that and don't have to, all seven of you try to write one script yeah. because it's very few I mean it's 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 hard point. to get people to all agree on yeah. one thing. Absolutely. And so I think that's what our friends with police cops did quite well. Ah, they delegated the script right. to two people while they were, you know, get picking up the equipment and right. getting everything right. else ready for the shoot. Smart. So, but you bring up a great point. You said, what's your, we said, what's your biggest tip? And you said for film festivals or for the 48 hour, what about film festivals? What's the, what's yeah. the tips to get into film festivals? Well, yeah, this, this is why I wanted to come on the podcast. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've always wanted to be on the podcast. Right. I've listened to all the episodes and keep up the great work guys. Seriously, oh, thanks, this thanks, is man. a great resource for Albertan filmmakers. But whenever I reject, whenever we have to send out a rejection letter for a film that I liked and for a, for a filmmaker that I know, I, there's always something unspoken where, you know, they'd like to know why they didn't get in. But you don't want to make things uncomfortable. Right. I mean, some not everybody does. Some people will ask <laughs> me why they didn't get in. Yeah. But but some people don't break that seal. And I always, I, I, I don't want to send them a private message because maybe they don't want advice. Right. But right. there's always a few things that contribute to a film not getting into a film festival. Um, and the big ones, now grab your pencils, listeners. <laughs> uh, length, as I touched right. on earlier. Right. I know we all think Length our does matter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, but yeah. on movies, are, yeah. we want shorter ones. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because it's, as I was saying earlier, there's only so much room in a short film package. Cuff used to only have one short film package. So we'd only be accepting like 12 movies. Wow. And if you have to accept a 25 minute movie, then you're only accepting 10 movies. You've had to say no to right. some other films. Right. And so I found the sweet spot is under nine minutes. Right. Because, I mean, I know there's a lot of short films that need more time than that, but when writing the script, just look at what you're most stoked about in there. Maybe you don't have the side character. Maybe you don't have the secondary character. Right. Maybe you don't have this B story going on. Because short films, people want it to be lean and they want it to be mean and they want it to be punchy. Right. They want it to be like one through line. Right. And I know that a lot of short filmmakers want to be feature filmmakers or write for TV where you can have, you know, multiple narratives going on and an ensemble cast. But in short films, you got to just put the blinders on. Think about why people would want to watch this and just focus towards that. And you can make a movie in nine minutes if you're only focusing on one vantage point instead of, you know, and then their friends are doing right. this and their mom's doing right. this and they're doing this because their dad did this to them. It's like, that doesn't matter in a short film. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Rely on archetypes. Yeah. I mean, I can say rely on cliches, but rely on 
tropes. I mean, people yeah. have seen so many movies that you can set up a character without saying anything about right. them. Sure. Just basically. They know them. the hook nose they is know, evil. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guy comes in with a big scar on his face with a red light overhead sure, yeah. and he's wearing a trench coat and has a gun in his jacket. You don't need to know yeah. how he became a criminal. Yeah. Yeah. You know he's a criminal. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So, yeah, big tip. Don't make your movies any longer than they need to be. And, I mean, I don't care how stoked you are on your first edit, you can cut two to three minutes. Yeah. You can trim yeah. down long shots. That's I mean, point. I've cut some beautiful shots. Sorry, yeah. Rhett. But <laughs> we've cut some beautiful shots just because they're not necessary. Yeah, yeah. We and, made uh, our first short or our second short out of school was a, was a comedy called Hardwood. And it was the cut was, I don't know if you remember, Matt, 16 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And I think you were learning from Cam and at the time. And you said. two-person comedy. Yeah. yeah, you said you got to get this down to under nine right, minutes. Right. And so it was a comedy and we ended up cutting the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> like the situation itself was funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it still plays as a comedy, but all the jokes and not only that, but most of one of our actresses. Entire oh, parts that's harsh. Yeah. was cut. Yeah. Well, it, it sucked. It does suck. And the thing is, I mean, I know a lot of people say this, but the writing is free. When you're writing, yes. right. you're not spending money. Yeah. So if if you're writing the script, you're directing. You can make a lot of those decisions while writing. Just yeah. be super hard on your script and find people who are you know going to be quote unquote assholes to you because the reason those words are stinging is because there's a bit of truth to them. Right. And so it's like, you're going to be surrounded by people who are going to be encouraging and think that you only want to hear yes, and that's great. And trust me, you need those people too, or else you're just going to get bummed right out. Sure, sure. But you got to be able to trust a few people to be honest with your earlier scripts, because then you're going to learn uh, habits that you're going to use later uh, on yourself. You're going to be harder on yourself. Right. And then the work's just going to be more concise. And I think it helps you listen to your gut a little bit when someone's telling you something that you kind of sort of already knew. Yeah. And maybe you're like, ah, I'm just being too hard on myself. And then you're like, you know what? No, that is right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe I should be listening to that little because, voice. Yeah, I mean, because the short film film festival circuit, they don't. there aren't a lot of movies that are over nine minutes. I mean, the ones that are celebrated at Sundance are usually over that. But again, those are the world's best short films. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying you guys, are, the listeners aren't making the world's best short films. Sure. But if they're like me, they're only making pretty good movies. <laughs> right. And so if you're only making a pretty good movie and not the world's best short film starring Steve Buscemi, <laughs> make it under nine minutes. It'll, be, it'll get programmed at a lot more For festivals. Sure. Have you seen 10 Cloverfield Lane yet? Yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting about that and, and I just listened to uh, is this a spoiler alert first uh, no I'll okay. be careful I gotta interject quickly I intentionally read spoilers for that oh, because I was like if this movie is only about A and <laughs> yeah, B's right, not right. in it I'm yeah. not going right yeah, so I needed be, to hear that that would have been uncool for sure <laughs> but it, what's interesting I was listening to the director Dan Trachtenberg uh, on a podcast and he was talking about how he was they, they had a ton of um, extra stuff in that script that wasn't around our main character I'm, I'm i'm not remembering her name but the lead character was it was locked into her experience and and i didn't even notice when i was watching it but there's no scene she's not in. there's one uh, there is one, there's one. Yeah. There's oh, one. Right. yeah i was thinking about that too yeah yeah there is one and he talks about that but uh but yeah it's it almost plays like a short film and he's a short film director this is yeah, his first yeah. feature uh in that we're just with her the entire movie so that, that's a great point and you can still parlay that into a feature film obviously absolutely so, yeah. you can yeah. and i and it's like i know that we all when we're writing our first scripts we want them to be epic and we think they're the only movie we'll ever get to make but it's like you got to make a few 
movies that aren't well received before you make you can say turds it's fine okay. you can make, gotta make a few turds before you before you make a great movie you gotta learn as you go Absolutely. along we talk about this sometimes on the podcast there's nowhere to learn like except for film school yeah and even in film school you don't get to direct every day you, you maybe get to direct once and so the only time you get to train and learn and make mistakes is when you're doing it and so that's or listening to other people relay stories which is why this, this is podcast this is such is a good <laughs> asset just washing your car some more boys yeah <laughs> but yeah that's my first huge tip don't make it short over right. nine minutes i mean i'm sure your script right now is a masterpiece but you can make it sh way shorter yeah just and you can get, always do it again longer yeah. if you want like yeah. It's, yeah save save all that extra content for your feature version if the yeah. short does well mm -hmm. My my second piece of advice, again, which I touched upon earlier, is don't have a public screening of your film while you're submitting to film festivals, because film festivals are a business, and they we want humans in the seats, right. and we like to support local filmmakers, but we also want their fans to come watch the movie right. at a film festival. And if they've already seen it, if they've already seen it. Then I mean, I, it's more enticing to program a movie that no one's seen and is excited about, and that you're going to have a packed house than one that has been advertised with three different Facebook screenings, <laughs> right. with bands playing at yeah, it. Yeah. It's like everybody in the city's already seen that movie. Yeah, I'm. I mean, it could be great, but think about where the position we're in, where we're having to decide between that and a movie that no one's seen yet. Mm -hmm. Which one's sexier, right? You wanna you want the exclusivity of showing something that hasn't been it's a great tip. Greened locally. Absolutely, absolutely yeah. mind blowing. Yeah, try tip. to yeah. save your, your Because first I know I know how hard it is to sit on a short for one year. Hey, yeah. can I see that movie yet? Hey, where can <laughs> I see your movie? You're like working no. on the film fest yeah. premiere. It'll be very exciting when it happens. Yeah. Let's talk about something else now. Yeah, let's let's do something else. Let's work on, <laughs> let's work on another movie. Yeah, yeah, you can't yeah, let's write something else. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then another huge tip I gotta say is when you upload your film to a Vimeo or a YouTube every decision you make for the listing of that film on the website that's hosted and the still all goes to show your skills as a filmmaker hmm. if you just use the randomly selected still that Vimeo automatically signs or YouTube automatically signs that's one place where you could have made a firm decision to mm -hmm. put your stamp on the submission that you didn't so it just you you need to find a, a good still for your marketing purposes that you can use for your branding of your film. Right. So, so consider that, consider the experience of what do you want people? Yeah. What right. if you saw a still? What mood would it put you in when watching the movie? Mm -hmm. Because these people that you're submitting to, they don't know you from Adam. They don't know that you're great. They don't. They're they're hitting play on your movie for the very first time the very first thing they're seeing is the still that you choose to be behind that play button hmm. and the password that they enter to get that video. So if you're just putting your password as password, cuff password, one, two, three, four, it's just showing that you don't care about that <laughs> aspect of it. Yeah. But if you have like a fun password that relates to a tease of mm. what's in the movie mm. or something cool like that, something that'll make them remember your film because film festivals get thousands of submissions especially film festivals that don't have a submission fee yeah. they you just get spammed right so how's your movie going to stand out an astonishing still a great one-liner a unique password a good reputation mm -hmm. not being too long because if you've just watched like eight 42 minute spanish quote-unquote short films and you're about to watch another movie that's 19 minutes long you're not going to be super excited <laughs> but true. if you're going to watch something that's nine minutes has got a great photo and a lean mean synopsis you're gonna be like okay a palate cleanser you're like that this is your one chance right. 
to seduce <laughs> the programmer. Right. So, so make an active decision on every level of your submission because this is the only time you get to quote unquote talk to them directly. Nice. Unless you know them personally or have right. their direct sure. contact information, want to pester them, which is a great approach too. Pestering works. We, <laughs> pestering we've heard it works. from the man himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, pestering always works. Yeah, Adam Scorgey was saying it, uh, and he said it on this podcast that he always sends a personal note, even if it's a without a box. And maybe that's annoying, but he'd rather get the direct contact. I've done that. I've done yeah. that too. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's a it's a pain to do, but it pays off because it separates you from the rest of the pack because mm -hmm. I mean Lord knows there are so many movies being made my, right now because yeah. it's so cheap yeah. and cameras are so accessible that uh, I'll bet there are more film like every rejection I get starts with this was a record year of submissions yeah, yeah. for the Blank <laughs> yeah, Film Festival course, yeah. for sure and uh, I didn't believe it for a while but then I started to see how many submissions we get a cuff and yeah it just keeps get, there's just more and more movies being wow. made yeah, yeah. so how are you going to stand out from sure. them. This is your chance to talk to the programmers. So, so how many shorts packages are there now? I there are two now. Nice. Okay. Yeah. We um, when when we decided to move the um, forty eight hour film challenge outside of the main festival, that it opened up a slot for programming, and we really wanted to start to celebrate more Canadian shorts. And so, we started a second shorts pack with keeping in mind that we were going to let in more Canadian short films, and we created a Canadian short film award. And oh. so William F. White's is sponsoring that oh, with nice. a gear rental. Amazing, amazing. That's great. So I think it's three or five thousand dollars of gear rental. Oh my god! Oh, awesome. Will go to the first place uh, Canadian short, and I mean those are the people who are gonna who are gonna use that because yeah, there's exactly. William F. White's in most of the major film hubs yeah. in Canada. So we really wanted to, you know, try to still support local and Canadian filmmaking. Um, and use the sponsorship of William F. White's that they had donated to the Forty Eight Hour Film Challenge in the past. But yeah, it just gave us a chance to show more Canadian short films. Amazing. Awesome. Cool. White's is so, so good to up and coming filmmakers. It's yeah. Shout out to Greg Jeffs, my man. For sure. <laughs> All right, man. Well, any anything uh, we should let the folks know before we, we wrap or, up? Or more tips? Uh, I can't think of top, any more festival kind of a, tips yeah. off the top of my head. I mean, actually, what, what I would like to say is that even if your movie doesn't play film festivals does not mean... It's not a good movie. It's right. just not, it wasn't the right movie for those film festivals. Mm -hmm. Like, don't lose faith in your vision or your skills as a filmmaker just because you don't get good festival play. As long as you went into the movie, you know, making the film with, with the right intentions and, uh, you know, you had a great time making it with cool people, that should be reward enough. The fest playing festivals, well, let's just say, okay, so my movies before Lieb. Got, I got rejected constantly and I was so down on myself yeah. and then we make leave and it gets into 25 festivals or whatever but the short I did after that Backstreets which I love dearly played two festivals oh weird but unlike the films before I made Lieb where I took every single festival rejection as one more stab in my heart <laughs> I just I just looked at my film and I said, you know what, this is a good movie and I, I made it for the right reasons mm -hmm. and just because it didn't play film festivals doesn't mean it sucked. Right. Uh, it just wasn't for those festivals. Right. And so, because I mean, I don't think Lieb's my, my best film, but it did play the most festivals. <laughs> right, right, right. So This is what I always say about, like, you know, we sit in auditions and we have 25, 30 actors come in and only one of them is going to get the role. 
and so so then the, this is the other this is where the filmmakers are now we're auditioning our films to the festival yeah. exactly what it is that's right. a perfect so, analogy yeah. same position when we're auditioning yeah. it's like it's not that you weren't a good actor or yeah. actress it's yeah. just that you weren't right for this part like for i would sure. gladly hire you for another movie mm -hmm. yep but i want to write whenever we cast i want to write a script for every single actor I have to say no to. It's just like, I will write something yeah. with you in mind as the lead so that I can yeah. cast you in something. I've done that. Yeah. Actually, you know who did that was Quentin Tarantino did that with Samuel Jackson. Samuel oh, Jackson was, was auditioning in Reservoir Dogs for Tim Roth's other cop buddy in the flashbacks when he's oh, rehearsing okay. to go okay. undercover and he didn't get the role. And then Quentin and uh, Samuel Jackson ran into each other at Sundance where Reservoir Dogs was playing and uh, Samuel Jackson was really mad at him for not casting him. And Quentin said, don't worry, man. I'm writing a movie with you in mind. <laughs> and that was Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. There you go. Right on. And they've made so many great films yeah, yeah, together yeah, yeah. since then. Is a tasty burger. <laughs> um, cool, man. So uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, McGowan C at Twitter. Uh, my website's CameronMcGowan.com. I have all my films up there. Even the first one? <laughs> I got a link to the first one hidden. Uh, don't spoil it if you find it. <laughs> It might be on the bad no! dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when does submissions open next time for Cuff? Uh, submissions usually open early December. Okay. Right. And so, yeah, I hope to see so you So make all your film now and, yeah, and submit please for do. December. So I hope to see some people at the movies, April 11th, 17th. We got some killer stuff. I was going to swear. You can swear. You're allowed. You're allowed. Oh, we you got can. some killer <laughs> shit. And uh, yeah, we're going to have some good parties. We're going to have like 20 visiting filmmakers. So a good chance to meet some people who aren't making movies in Calgary. Awesome. And uh, a lot of a lot of uh, Calgary filmmakers attend uh, just to watch movies. So it's okay. like a nice celebration of cool movies that you might not get to see otherwise. That was great, man. Awesome. A lot of great. Yeah. Thanks for all the advice. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, man. Bye. All right. Well, thank you, Cam McGowan, uh, for that awesome conversation. Um, that was great. Yeah. And make sure you get your 48-hour project uh, going. Started. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so back into the uh, news you can use, uh, upcoming deadlines, uh, the Herland Video Production Mentorship Program uh, is kicking off for a second time. Um, it, it gives five mid-level filmmakers uh, the opportunity to hone their creative and professional expertise with a series of filmmaking workshops. Um, and I believe it's only open to women. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the deadline to apply for that is April 4th uh, at 5 p.m. Uh, and check out the show notes um, or the CSAF's website uh, for more information on that program because it's awesome. Right. And, and uh, you you already said it, but uh, it is for not new filmmakers. Right. The, the last round was for new filmmakers. This one's for mid to mid -level. advanced. Yeah. Right. Uh, so the Secret Cinema is looking for curators. The CSIF is looking for curators for the outdoor screening series. Uh, and so this is something that they do fairly regularly. Uh, they call it Secret Cinema and you get to screen a film outside. So they're looking for people who are going to uh, look through the catalog of uh, films that the CSIF has, um, select one, and then kind of do a Q&A and an explanation as to why you chose it in front of the audience. And um, you get a little honorarium even for uh, participating. So that's due by April 5th and your application should include your film selection and you can check out the CSIF's uh, catalog of films uh, online. The link's in the uh, show notes there. Uh, a short write-up about why you chose the film and a current CV or artist statement. And you can get in touch with uh, Nicola at CSIF for more information on that. 
if you have an idea for a web series or a music video uh, and you are interested in working with a band from a small town or if you're a filmmaker from a small town, uh, then listen up because this one is for you. StoryHive has announced two different uh, StoryHive sessions coming right up here. Yeah. The first one is a web series. Uh, they've done this before, but uh, they are kicking it off again. So apply before April 11th to win one of 30 $10,000 production grants uh, and get your story to screen and then two uh, finalists who end up getting to make uh, their pilot uh, then compete for $50,000 to create the rest of the web series um, after that. So uh, 15 Alberta, 15, 15 Alberta, BC, 15 yeah. BC. Yeah. So um, definitely apply for that. There's no reason not to. Um, and it is, it is kind of a, a vote for my project program. So yes. um, yeah, ask your friends and family to, uh, to help you get that made. Uh, and if you have a music video idea, pitch your music video by April 22nd um, and 14 $10,000 music video production grants in BC and Alberta small towns will be given out. Plus you'll get distribution on TELUS Optic TV on demand. So two StoryHive projects coming up uh, and definitely um, get out there and, and get hustling for that. Yeah. And the music video thing, I was looking into, into doing that. You really, really do have to not be in one of the major um, cities uh, in either province in order to participate or you, like you said, need to partner with someone who is in one of the Small uh, towns. smaller regional areas. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great for, for filmmakers who might not be in the big cities and have access to the stuff that we have. Um, yeah, it's important to yeah. recognize yeah. Them and, and help I, them out. And it's great. I'm sure, I'm sure they heard that a lot. That like, how come people in the rural areas aren't being uh, noticed for this? And, and it's awesome that they heard them and, and are doing one specifically for them. So that's definitely yeah. the shoestring film awards are coming up. The purpose of the shoestring film awards is to elevate the quality of Canadian film production by pre creating a better local community for the entertainment industry. So this is a film festival designed for people with very low budgets. Uh, and the submission deadline is May 6th, 2016 you're, you're going to be making a 9 to 22 minute film and uh what am i saying submission deadline for 9 to 22 minute films will be may 6th and then there's also it looks like a category for three to five minute films uh called the shoestring shorter films um and the the uh beach audio uh house is, is putting this on um and so the prize is is a pretty intense awesome full post-production audio uh 7.1 surround mix for your digital cinema pack and a Blu-ray and DVD and the stereo mix, which is worth up to $50,000 for a short film. So damn, it's a pretty good uh, thing to shoot for. So yeah, for sure. uh, the link is in the um, uh, show notes, but you can also go to the shoestringfilmawards.com. If you've been hearing us talk over the past few weeks about Input, um, which is a global public television um, screening and discussion uh, event, um, this is the first time that it's been in Calgary. Um, and I learned over March Madness this weekend, Joe Novak is, of course, pushing this very hard. Yes, but, yes. Um, all the amazing cities that this thing has gone to. Um, and, right, uh, yeah. It's, yeah pretty, it's, it's a pretty international. It's a pretty high profile yeah. thing. Um, but uh, they're putting on, Input Calgary is putting on um, what they're calling mini input sessions. So they're saying if you're curious about what input is all about, um, throughout March and April, they're hoping they're they're hosting mini input sessions in Calgary, Vancouver, Red Deer, Edmonton, and Winnipeg. So you can get a taste of what input Calgary 2016 will be like, um, and join us for one of these free sessions. So the mini input in Calgary is uh, tonight, Monday, March 22nd, from 5 to 8 p.m. Uh, mini input in Red Deer is on Thursday, March 24th, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. And mini input in Edmonton is on Thursday, March 24th at the Nate main campus from 6 to 9 p.m. All of these include uh, light meals, panel discussions, and screenings. So definitely uh, get out there and check it out. 
the whole lineup for the Calgary Underground Film Festival has been announced, and it's looking pretty sweet. Uh, we got a bit of an inside look from from Cameron McGowan, who, of course, as we learned, is one of the curators of the festival, and uh, it looks pretty fun. So check out the Calgary, uh, sorry, the Calgary Underground Film. The website is calgaryundergroundfilm.org uh, and learn more about the festival. And again, that's where you can do your own little 48-hour project, which we in, <laughs> we've done before and is pretty fun. It's a good learning yeah, experience for sure. Um, if you were interested in that Herland uh, production workshop, uh, the screening for the first round of it is actually happening very soon here. So if you want to check out the stuff that they've made in this first round, um, from the diverse personal stories of seven films from female filmmakers. Uh, they'll be premiering at a public screening and reception at the Theatre Junction Grand on March 31st. Uh, tickets are free, but should be reserved through the Theatre Junction box office. And, and if I recall correctly, they're pretty much almost gone. Yeah, I think your only chance is to show up yeah, at the screening right, and try to get right. some... So show up on March 31st um, to check it out. So uh, yeah, it's great to, to see such a strong demand for that. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Uh, and speaking of women in film, there's a Edmonton film screening called You Can't Keep a Good Woman Down Film Festival uh, happening on March 22nd. We've, we've mentioned it before, but uh, it's all about uh, a three evening event to honor uh, International Women's Day uh, and Edmonton Women. Uh, so it's highlighting creativity, resilience, and advocacy. And you can check out more information at metrocinema.org. And uh, that's coming up again on March 22nd. I believe that's the last of three uh, on the right. 22nd. Yeah. Right. Uh, the Calgary Institute for the Humanities and the Department of Communication media and film are presenting a pretty cool event called films in alberta yeah. yeah film in alberta hollywood and the last great wilderness of the early 20th century um so it involves a screening of ernest lubitsch's uh, eternal love which was filmed on the victoria glacier at lake louise in 1929 how cool is that um it's awesome yeah so uh mary graham uh, from the stony film project and alberta film film history author uh will introduce the film and contextualize its production um and then she'll chat a bit about the longer history of uh, filming in alberta in the 1920s um she'll also chat about how that kind of laid the laid the foundation for filming in alberta um and how we've kind of grown since that that time so the the screening is friday april 1st uh at 2 p.m kind of a weird time but uh if you can make it what a what an important film for uh, our personal history here in alberta yeah and it's at the university of calgary so uh so check that out uh at a, a quite a long url uh in our show notes Yes, and the NSI and TELUS, as you know, have teamed up. They're bringing uh, some training and workshop sessions to BC and Alberta, and uh, they're going to be calling it From Concept to Camera, Developing Your Story for the Screen. Uh, and the workshops are taking place in March and April, and they're open to the diverse community of producers and content creators in Alberta. Uh, the workshops are lo- are going to be happening, actually, uh, just yesterday, uh, in Fort McMurray was the first one, uh, but April April 2nd is going to be Red Deer, uh, April 3rd is going to be Edmonton, April 9th is Kelowna, and April 10th is Prince George. So Calgarians are going to have to run up to Red Deer, uh, but you can find out more about those uh, workshops, and they looked really cool. I was on Instagram and Twitter yesterday seeing, uh, looks like some really good information from podcast guest Tito and his team there, uh, and you can find out more in the show notes. If uh, you're interested in getting some sweet, sweet aerial footage with a drone, mm. um, it's not as easy as it sounds to do. Um, you can't just take a drone and uh, and fly it. There's a lot more to it than that. Um, so if you're in Edmonton and area and you want to learn more about this, Doc Alberta uh, is partnering with Fava to present something called A Higher Perspective, The Ins and Outs of Filming with Drones. This workshop is happening on March 31st at 6 p.m. in the Artona Room. 
Um, so it's $10 for Fabia, Ampia, and Doc Alberta members, which is basically free. Um, there will also be a networking event uh, around it. The panelists include Art Rayam, Cole, Rosentretter, Ellen, oh man, Christofferson, Naomi Thompson, Jero Malinowski, uh, Ryan Northcott, and moderated by Brandy Yanchik. So um, yeah, really cool course. And uh, they're calling it a crash course, which which is funny. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much they uh, are aware of that, but um, no prior experience using drones for production is required. Um, tickets will be sold at the door, but they will also be available beforehand at Eventbrite. So check out the link uh, to that Eventbrite page uh, in our show notes. Nothing shooting right now, but definitely some things on the horizon. So that's good news. There is a job that we've mentioned it before uh, for uh, the associate producer for East Link in Grand Prairie. Uh, it actually sounds like a really cool gig. We've talked about it before, so I won't go too in depth, but you can check out uh, the link in the show notes uh, and or search for the job on mediajobsearchcanada.com. Definitely check it out. It's very interesting. Uh, so on to recommendations uh, to wrap out this episode here. Uh, I'm going to start because mine isn't as exciting as Matt's and I want to end on a high <laughs> note. Um, I'm, I'm in the middle of a book that I probably should have read uh, when I was a, a child. Yeah, it was, um, a, it was yeah. a textbook. It was a we, textbook we at it, SAIT yeah. um, and I kind of paged through it at SAIT but no one, no one read their textbooks. <laughs> yeah. um, but I'm reading it now and uh, getting a hell of a lot out of it. Of course, it's the, the classic uh, and must-read Directing Actors by Judith Weston. Um, and she starts by, by with like like 300 pages of don'ts mm. don't do for directors don't, right. and i'm reading this and i'm going well what the hell do <laughs> i do, do like do? this is like some mind-bending stuff for sure and mm. uh and goes against a lot of what uh, would be a director's instincts i think which is called result-oriented directing um and is actually not the way to get the best performance out of your oh. actors hmm. um so um yeah i mean that's like a common vernacular and if you're an actor or a director this is a great read because it takes um it really helps a director get into the head of an actor and um, just kind of because there's such a difference in those two two crafts and yet you have to be on the same page and how you're how you're talking to each other and, and how you're communicating so uh we've got the link to the amazon page for this book in our show notes but uh, <laughs> there you go yeah find it and read it if you want to direct or yeah. act i i've i've not read it cover to cover but it, i've definitely seen some really great material inside of it um I went and saw 10 Cloverfield Lane. Right, recently, so did I. Yeah, great movie. You. Yeah. Uh, and I've listened to a couple of podcasts about 10 Cloverfield Lane. I love Slash Film. They, they did a podcast about it. Um, I also listened to uh, Nerdist, who had J.J. Abrams and Dan Trachtenberg on it. Um, both both of those were great, uh, but the, the podcast I'm going to recommend is called uh, The Q&A uh, with Jeff Goldsman, I believe it's called. Um, and he's interviewing Dan Trachtenberg, the, just the director just him uh and an audience actually um and this interview gets really really like imagine dan is like your buddy and like the questions that get asked are like really straightforward and and kind of like not questions you'd ask your average film director because like for example uh, possible plot holes right like you would never put a director in a position of having to like defend the movie but this is a very cool like these two guys kind of know each other they're they're friends and and he's like so why did you do this and and he's totally open to talking about all of that stuff um and it's just a, a great, a great listen. And and one of the reasons I, I definitely really wish you would take some time and, and listen is that he talks about having been such a film fan and doing short films and trying to get like some great information. Like he was doing commercials. Um, and of course, I don't know if you remember this, Scott, did you see the portal, that amazing portal short? I think it was 
just called Portal. Yeah, uh, I did see it. Yeah, and he he ended up getting permission from Valve, uh, but after after it came out, he, this was his his one of his big shorts, um, and that combined with another one was kind of what got him some representation, and he started pitching to J.J. Abrams, and amazing, and uh, eventually this kind of came together. Um, he was actually on board to direct uh, the movie for Why the Last Man, which is one of my favorite comic books of all all time, and it, it ended up not working out. That's going to TV now, which is actually the better way to tell that story. Anyway, the the journey that he took uh, from shorts to like getting representation and, and putting it all together with with Twitter, like he crowdsourced like um, uh, VFX stuff with like a hundred people on Twitter. Oh my god! Just looking for help. Uh, so he's he's had an amazing journey, and it's definitely worth uh, worth your time. Right on! What a great recommendation. Yeah. Uh, so, firstly, a big, huge thanks to uh, to Briar for putting the news yes, together. Uh, as this, always, this podcast would not exist without her. Um, and a reminder that um, just because we're the voices on this doesn't mean that it's our podcast. Yeah, um, it's the community's podcast. So, if you have any suggestions or you want to get on, reach or, out. Uh, you want us to talk about something, or you want us to stop talking about something, <laughs> or if you have a recommendation for a new section, like hey guys, maybe add like a tips. Oh yeah, section or something. Um, we're happy to, to listen. So uh, yeah, yeah, fire us an email. How can they get in touch with us, Matt? Hello at abfilmcast.ca and not Facebook. If you if you can avoid sending a Facebook message, that would be great. Uh, and Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, it's all abfilmcast. And of course, you want to subscribe on iTunes and five-star that stuff. Yeah, give us those sweet, sweet five stars. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to swear. Um, and again, we got Adam Scorgi coming up this week as well as a, as a bonus episode uh, for the feature film file. So look forward to that. Uh, and thanks to uh, Ampia for a great March Madness. Yeah, definitely. And uh, for being so supportive of the podcast as always. And go, go make something. something.